HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. I hope everyone had a wonderful holiday and Happy New Year. It is Wednesday, January 7th, 2015. This is our first show of the year and our 48th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a super-talented branding, marketing, and communications consultant, and I will introduce her shortly. But first, as I do on every show, I will start with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to have good marketing collateral, or rather, shall I say, great marketing collateral. Your materials from print to digital represent your brand and should be as sharp as you are. Having quality marketing pieces with memorable designs, precise wording, and beautiful images will help build your brand and stay in people's minds. From business cards to brochures to even matchbooks, your materials should be consistent and representative of your unique identity. So work with the design experts who can create the right branding for you. That's my tip today. Now I'm really happy to have my guest here. It is Carla Siegel former brand creative director for the restaurants of Chef Danielle Ballou. Carla is now working as a branding, marketing, and communications consultant with a focus on the hospitality industry. Her, her specialties include art direction, branding and identity, print design and production, and photography. So welcome, Carla. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so, I'm so happy to, to have you here and get to spend this on air time. Me too. We've talked about it for a long time, so I appreciate having me in. Oh, you're welcome. And I, I like the tip. That was a great tip. Thank <laughs> you. I thought you'd like it. 
It's I, very appropriate. As I've said before in the show, I get in, inspired by my guests with my tips. It helps me. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Perfect. Um, but I do. I think that's very true. So how did you get into the restaurant industry and into this creative branding for restaurants? Yeah, I always uh, was a creative person growing up, and I ended up going to college for communications design. I went to Syracuse, and, you know, they would teach you through the, the coursework different uh things to design magazines, brochures, just as you were saying, different collateral, and you always had to come up with your own projects in that sense, what the um, <clears throat> what the heart of it would be. And my projects always tended to be food-related. Uh, it just was a theme, on and on and on. Whatever, whatever we were meant to design it would be, I would bring in a restaurant or I would bring in some aspect of food. And when I graduated from school, I sort of caught the bug and moved to New York City. And um, it was right after 9-11, so I ended up working for a long time in publishing um, and was just very happy to have a job at that point. Um, but it never really felt the right move to me. So I ended up continuing to work in publishing but going to culinary school to really try and bring that passion back to what I was doing. And I worked very briefly after publishing at a, a special events space in Soho um, just to sort of bridge the gap of transitioning from one industry to another. And then from there, I started working for Danielle in a creative capacity. That's awesome. When you went to cooking school, you weren't thinking you wanted to be a chef. You no. wanted to use it as another <laughs> I tool. Don't know. You know, I, I spent a long time just trying to get my foot in the door from publishing into the in hospitality mm-hmm. business. And it's very hard if you have no experience. Uh, and I really just went to culinary school as saying like, all right, if this is what it's going to take to put it on my resume or whatever it needs to be, this is what I'm going to do. I never thought I would be a chef. Um, and I, I, I went into school thinking creativity plus culinary must mean food styling. That just, I, as I understood it. And, the, and it turns out the first week I was in culinary school, Dolores Custer came to give a presentation. And I didn't know anything about her, but I came to understand pretty quickly she was sort of top of the uh, industry. Top of the food yes, stylist. Like if someone is going to mm-hmm. come tell you what that's about, she was the exact right person. And it was pr- literally probably the third day of culinary school that she came. And she was lovely. She gave a whole demonstration and answered questions. And at the end of it, I came to realize that is exactly not what I wanted to be doing. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, again, week one. So I knew, all right, I'm not here for that. And as we got into it, I realized um, it, I'm too old when I started. I, you know, I was in my 20s. I wasn't that old. But when you're in the culinary field, you really need to start early if you're going to be a chef. And I, I understood again quickly that it's too late to be a chef. Um, so I just kind of forged ahead and, and tried to find a way that I could fit together my previous experience in design and, and wherever I was headed. But being, you know, I, I worked uh, at Aquavit as part of an externship. I went to ICE. And I, I think it's very gratifying to be able to work on the line. I did, you know, a mousse-bouche and, and was offered a job there actually at the end. And it's just so hard. I have so much respect for everyone who works. I mean, both back and front of house. But my gosh, that is just a, a lifestyle that I knew I couldn't keep up. So <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Sim- similar, similar <laughs> backgrounds. <laughs> Except uh, I didn't ever work for Danielle Ballou. So... This you I, you've been you were with him for about eight years. I was I was I always joke that the restaurant industry is kind of like dog years. I feel like I started there yesterday, and it's like a blink. Everything moves so fast, and the years go by so fast. So I'm a little shocked to even say and hear that it was eight years. But yes. <laughs> so what what was your role when you started, and then how did it change over the years? Yeah. So I. Um, graduated culinary school and shifted into this event space, managing uh, private events, you know, PR events, 
uh, a whole bunch of different things. And I saw this listing for a job with Danielle that was special event related. So it was in the PR department, had a very small portion of it that was marketing related, PR, you know, general sort of PR assistance uh, and mostly special event coordination. So it worked very well from where I was coming from. Uh, and I started just with the PR director at that time was Georgette Farkas. We worked pretty closely together on on uh, all of the needs for the four restaurants at that point. <laughs> four, wow. Four. Lucky you, Georgette's awesome. Yes, yes, she is. <laughs> wow, four. And so now he's 17 or plus? Seven, 17, 17 yeah. And it's just an interesting shift. I started in special events. Um, and at that point, there really wasn't any need to be advertising or, or marketing sort of in the traditional sense. And, the, you know, there was sort of two things happened. The economy tanked, you know, about mm-hmm. 2008. I think it really yeah. was hard to get people to come out and spend money um, on certain levels of dining. And Danielle's company was growing and also the brands were becoming much more casual. And I think it became acceptable to promote and, and advertise and market in, in a different way where they were drawing more on my skills for design. Um, so it sort of came full circle that I finally was going back to my training from Syracuse to to offer them, you know, tr- more traditional design work. So what were some of the projects you had to do? I'm thinking like DBGB opening, mm-hmm. more casual. Exactly, exactly. I think the first opening I was there for was Bar Balloud, um, which at that point felt like the most casual possible. And I think we found it was sort of hard to come from that background and make something feel casual to the greater audience. It might seem casual from the world of Danielle, um, but for, you know, the world of diners in New York City, Barbalude isn't necessarily all that casual. So it's, it was interesting to, to go through the processes of opening several of the brands to understand what casual even means, you know, from a price point perspective or from a service perspective or collateral yeah, that's interesting because you're. I don't know if you start comparing to Danielle. Uh, I think everyone does. Mm-hmm. I think that you know you you have a reputation and you have a certain audience in New York City, and people have, you know, hold you to a certain point. No matter what you think you're doing, people are always going to remember you for for Danielle. <laughs> yeah. So what what was it like working for him? I mean, it was amazing. It really was. Those I have to say that whole team is so talented and so hardworking. Uh, I really feel lucky to have worked there for as long as I did. Sometimes like pinch myself that that was, <laughs> that was a real experience, but I, you know, it really does all of that, the creativity and drive filters from the top down, you know, from Danielle and the whole operations team, everyone there is really so hardworking and great. And he's such an energizer bunny. Yes. I can and call so, him that. <laughs> so creative, you know, I think it's really inspiring to work for someone who's not just focused on the food, but every single detail and not just giving input, but coming up with ideas from the beginning, from, you know, marketing and all, all sorts of different directions. I think that's really important in the restaurant business. If you're going to have your own brand, you know, to really understand beyond just one aspect of the business. I agree. So let me ask my question from, from last year. On episode 47, (laughs) last year, year, way back in in 2014, (laughs) I had on Jeffrey Tuscarella. He is the general manager of food and beverage at the Nomad. And his question was, what's your proudest accomplishment in your time working for Danielle? And he noted that Danielle is a big inspiration for the whole Nomad team. Yeah. And for many more restaurants and, beyond. And for, <laughs> for, for, for sure. me, for, yeah, exactly. for, for a lot of people. <laughs> um, 
you know, like I was saying, I think to even have worked there and, and been there so long and being taken into that family is a huge accomplishment. Um, but I think there's also something really gratifying in seeing your work lit up or huge in print in someone's hands. You know, I, I, it's funny, I went through Instagram not too long ago just to look over what was going on on social media. I mean, I really like dug down and did, you know, maps and all sorts of different ways you can search for things, hashtags. And it was fun to see things that I had designed in people's Instagram photos, you know, like that to me just felt really great, you know, that people are living with, eating around, using, taking photos with stuff that I've designed. That's a great feeling. I would think so. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to take a little break here and we're going to come back and talk more with Carla. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Listening to At Least I Got My Baby by Camelia Hartman on All in the Industry. Okay, we're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Carla Siegel, a branding, marketing, and communications consultant with a focus on the hospitality industry. So, Carla, we were just talking about your history with Danielle Ballou. Now, as of this year, you are now independent. I am. I am. One of the projects I need to start working on is what to call my business, (laughs) how to brand myself. I feel like a lot of people... Uh, in the design industry can tell you how hard it is to brand yourself. I think, you know, it's it's somehow easier to to help others in that way. I think when you focus on yourself, it becomes just that much harder. <laughs> I can totally relate. It's very hard for me to do my own PR, uh-huh. PR <laughs> right. for someone else. It just is. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand. I mean, so so why did you decide to go on your own? Is it something you kind of wanted to do in the long run? You know, it's something, it it was a very hard decision to make, and it's something I thought about for a very long time. You know, what do you do after working for someone like Danielle and and wanting to keep challenged and have new experiences? And I think, you know, working for another chef or another restaurant group in this capacity didn't feel like the right move, and I actually don't know how many positions there are in a creative capacity in other groups, um, certainly other smaller groups. And I just thought, you know, trying to be out on my own seemed really the right direction. So I'm looking forward to the adventure. 
Well, as someone on my own, I I believe in being on yes. your own. I think it's <laughs> awesome. So I think that's that's a that's I'm um, I'm looking forward to seeing you know what you what you do. Now, do you have some clients now? You're working with some restaurants. I do. Uh, I am working right now with a group of guys who all met at TKRG um, at Thomas Keller's group. They're mm. opening a. Hawaiian restaurant uh, in the East Village this winter, and I'm working with them on the branding for that. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. Um, It certainly sounds unique. It's casual but refined, and they're going to do all sorts of fresh takes on uh, Hawaiian food, which will be cool. Um, And I'm going to be working with the Cork Buzz team. They opened, they have their location on 13th Street, and this past year they opened a location in Chelsea Market, Um, and they're this year positioning to open another one in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I think as they're expanding, you know, they're kind of headed in different directions with the look and feel of each of them. And they're going to want to tie that together a little bit. I'm helping them with some menu and and wine list changes, things of that nature. So they have a big year ahead, which is exciting. That is exciting. Yeah. Now, do you do logos? Like, what are the specifics that you're, are you doing websites? And you do some social media, too. I do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I, you know, it's fortunate to have worked for Danielle in a way that allowed me to get my hands into lots of different things. I think they really embraced, you know, if you had an interest in something, they would let you pursue it, you know, help them to understand it as well, which was really great. Um, so I did, you know, come from a background with more traditional design where, you know, a logo or an identity, something like that is absolutely something I can do. But I think also how you apply that and produce that and get it into service, uh, in, in the restaurant environment is something I'm very good at. Um, and, and as you say, social media is definitely a passion for me. So, (laughs) um, I enjoy that a whole lot. I would say websites, I can certainly work on the design, but I think it's, it's pretty common that you would have a, a visual designer plus a programmer. I'm definitely not a programmer (laughs) of websites. Um, but I think having the, the thought of the big picture of how all of those elements work together to define sort of the voice of the brand, um, is, is something I can absolutely help with. I think people a lot of times think the logo is the brand. Um, but a logo is just a piece, you know, as you were saying in your tip in the beginning, having all of these bits and pieces of collateral, the moving parts is, is really what gives the big picture of a brand. And I can assist with all that stuff. Yeah, well, I think things have also changed over the years between, I don't know, when I started with the internet and, mm-hmm. and the branding online, and you have to be able to be consistent with your message and your voice, as you're saying, like with each restaurant group or whatever you're representing. Right, right. And I think even, you know, what your priorities are, just because there is a platform that exists, do you need to be there? You know, I think defining for your brand, your individual brand, what what the levels of importance are of what needs to happen for you is also part of the process. You know, I think a website is important. (laughs) I think most businesses find that, you know, the same thing, but it, I think there are businesses too that don't need one or don't need social media or don't need a Facebook page or don't need matchbooks, you know? (laughs) Oh, they need them all. Come on. I still love collecting matchbooks. I I am a thousand percent with you. I've never been a smoker. I just like collecting matchbooks. (laughs) No, me too. And I I think we're not alone in that. My house is filled with them for for better or for worse, but it's a fun thing to pick up. Yeah, it is. And pens. I have friends who collect pens. (laughs) Yeah, I take those too. (laughs) (laughs) What trends are you seeing now with with restaurants and and anything trends? You know, I think. certainly depends on the level of dining, uh, whether it be upscale or not. But I think across the board, 
there tends to be something about things seeming more casual. I think the the dining experience and the collateral that comes along with that is all a tiny bit less precious. You know, I don't think you're necessarily presented with a big menu cover and necessarily, you know, you're not having quite quite the same presentation as you might have several years ago. I think you I think people are becoming more understanding of the quality of the food and and the the service and it's not about the visual presentation as much. You might see like a single page menu somewhere where you might be spending several hundred dollars. I think there's I don't know if it's like a David Chang effect or if social media is helping to sort of bridge the gap between what the experience is going to be at the table versus before you're at the restaurant. Um, but I think there's just everything has become a little bit more casual no matter the the price point. I, I see that, yeah. It's definitely, for the industry news I wanted to discuss later, which I was looking at the list that Pete Wells had, and I was thinking these restaurants are pretty casual as the mm-hmm. best new restaurants. Mm-hmm. So I think we are seeing that across the board. I, this, I mean, Pete Wells in general, I think, likes to target more casual places in his writing. Um, but I think, you know, to that point places are more casual <laughs> in general yes true <laughs> what would you what for someone who wants to get into branding and design for restaurants like what would you advise them how do you how does one do that <clears throat> oh gosh how does one do that um yeah well yeah it was you knock on danielle's <laughs> door <laughs> no, so it, you know when i look back at, at how uh, I came to be in this position. It was not a very straight line, but mm-hmm. I would certainly think if you have a passion for food and dining um, and making a connection with chefs and with restaurateurs, there is that need. Um, and starting those conversations is helpful. I do think, you know, if in, this, in any industry, if you're a designer, you really should understand very well who you're designing for. But I think the hospitality industry, more than any other, you really need to understand the pace of the business and the margins and and all of that sort of thing. I think there is less room in the hospitality business for like design for design's sake um, than maybe in some other industries. I think the restaurant business is, is its own animal. And I think you really need to have an understanding of how the service items, especially are going to get used and, and beat up and presented. And uh, it's just a, a different environment than I think some others for designing. And I, you know, a lot of times I've made connections with restaurants that'll come to me because they've been presented with some sort of logo or menu cover or wine list file that doesn't work for them. It doesn't work in service. And I think that comes from having worked with a designer who understands the aesthetic, perhaps in the sort of overall brand identity that the restaurant is going for, but they don't have a knowledge of restaurant industry, restaurant service, and how those things function all together uh, in, in reality. So oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I've actually had some, you know, a lot of business come my way just by virtue of of things not being set up properly from the beginning for the restaurant business. So I think that, you know, understanding restaurant service is is a help in terms of how you design things from the beginning. Yeah. Well, because you you get it and you've seen you've seen the other side, or, right. you know. <laughs> exactly. Okay, great. We're going to take another break here. We're going to come back. We're talk We're going to do my speed round game, and then we're going to talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. And this one's called Anxieties by The Landing. Oh, oh. 
Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. And fall asleep just to wake up. We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest is Carla Siegel. It is time for my speed round game. Are you ready, Carla? I'm ready. I don't know what this means. I'm nervous, but okay, let's go. <laughs> Do not be nervous. I'm just going to name two things like chocolate or vanilla, and you oh. pick your preference. Oh, right. I like that. Okay. Here we go. Are you asking me chocolate? If you want. Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> chocolate. All right. Good. <laughs> See? You're going to be fine. <laughs> okay. Eat in or eat out? Oh, eat out. For sure. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? That's a tough one. A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Ooh. I can see this one from both sides. From the consumer side, I like the idea of tipping, but from the service side, I'd say all-inclusive. Okay. Seems more fair. Seems to be a hotter and hotter topic. I know. These I was going to say that's a different show entirely. I think <laughs> I'm amazed. Though I put this, this that's a standard one I ask, and you know, from a year ago, I've been asking it. Really? So yeah. So I think um, huh. it's going to be interesting to see how the responses yeah. change yeah. as I continue. Okay, a few more: communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. The piggy or the Frenchie? Oh. <laughs> That's a really funny question. Um, no one I, knows what I'm right, talking no, about. When I first started working for Danielle, I had only ever had the Frenchie for years and years and years at, at DBGB. And I, just in the last year, I had the piggy, and I thought for sure I wouldn't like, you know, pulled pork on top of this and then that, and it was so good. So I'm going to have to say piggy. Okay. I'm due, <laughs> I'm due to have them both again. Yeah, I no. haven't had them in a long time. <laughs> Twitter or Instagram? Oh, Instagram. And so, you know that about me. <laughs> well, I knew the eat out and the Instagram were yeah. going to be easy ones for you. <laughs> How about cheese plate or dessert? Oh, dessert. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Chicago? Oh. Yeah. Throw you a curveball. Yeah. Wh- what? <laughs> Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Chicago? I think I'd have to go Chicago. Hometown. My hometown. Okay. That's it. That's oh, the game. Yeah. Okay, great. You're done. You're <laughs> So let's talk some industry news. So as I I mentioned before, the year-end roundup, uh, Pete Wells had his 10 best new restaurants of 2014 in the New York Times. came out a week or two ago. Um, So number one, Batard. Batard. Where we dined together. We did. And another Danielle alum, John Winterman Mm -hmm. and Marcus Glocker. I'm so happy for those guys. Me too. I love that place. I loved it too. I I've only been that once. I don't know if you've been back. I did. I did go back. It's yeah. just been great every time I've gone. Such a nice vibe in that room. And again, like 
very nice, fine dining, but casual. You know, I think it's a good combination. Yeah, well, I mean, and they got so many accolades. They were on every every best new list, best new chef, and I'm I'm so happy for them. I think it's well deserved, and and they're awesome people. So awesome seems to be my word today. <laughs> uh, things get stuck in your head, right? Um, but on this list, I was looking. It was like number two, Russ and Daughters. Uh, number three, the Simone. At the, out of his top ten, that was the only one I hadn't been to. Yeah, it's on the no, Upper East Side. I haven't either. I think it might be a little fancier, but some of the others, Ivan Ramen, uh, Contra, Dirty French, they're pretty casual. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great list. And then Adam Platt in New York Magazine has his Where to Eat in 2015, and he kind of picked up on a lot of the same places. Um, and he had uh, Marcus Glocker as his best new chef. He yeah. had... He's like, so talented. He is. And it was, you know, it was, it, it's it's... I mean, this casual thing is just what's what's uh, I don't know point of play that sticks out to me. Yeah, yeah, the theme, the reoccurring theme. I'm, I'm thinking you mentioned um, Russ and Daughters. I think that is their branding. It's just incredible. I think they did such a good job at the cafe of sort of encapsulating a sort of fresh take on a, an existing brand with a lot of history. And it's delicious. <laughs> Not being a branding expert, but agreeing with you full force. Like, yes. I, I, I it's like brilliant. All the, the paper placemats with all the lettering. I think, you know, instantly, you know, someone posts a picture from there. Just really, really well done. Yeah, they did an amazing job coming from being the the standard, you know, to-go deli and, and making it into a restaurant. When I was there, I sat at the bar and it just had just, it, it just had that old school feel and the food was delicious. So yeah, they have the best seltzer too. I don't know if you had, I did not. I did traditional like bagels. Next locks. time you go try that. It, it sounds strange to say, but the seltzer water there's awesome. <laughs> I will try it. I know we had, <laughs> we shared like a chocolate egg cream because it's something I felt you should get there. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so if we did. But seltzer next time. Seltzer. Absolutely. Yeah, well, okay. And in Adam Platt's article, he also talked about 10 trends they're tired of. And he, I don't know, it was interesting. Scandinavian, cauliflower, hotel lobby <laughs> restaurants. He had chocolate pot de creme. I mean, I'm not tired of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of these lists, though, I mean, the people who write them, they encounter these things so much more than the average person, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I haven't eaten chocolate pot de creme in the last like three years probably but it sounds like he has <laughs> apparently p- people seem to be annoyed with cauliflower like it's everywhere and i've seen it but i'm not tired of it yeah no i agree i don't know, i'm starting to see more of it as um like couscous and rice substitutes i think that's really interesting i think there's just a lot of flexibility i don't i don't have a problem with cauliflower well it wouldn't be on our list no it would not <laughs> Okay, so in the New York Times today, Pete Wells reviewed Kappa Masa, which is a three-month-old restaurant on the Upper East Side by Masa yes. in downstairs of Larry Gagosian's uh, gallery. Now, are you familiar with this? <laughs> like, I am not firsthand familiar with the gallery or the restaurant, but my gosh, that uh, that write-up was something. <laughs> yes, he gave it zero stars, and... So 
I was here over the holidays, and I did a lot of solo dining. Did and you go there? I went there. Oh, my gosh. By myself. Um, and I went in knowing it was going to be expensive, and I actually had a $50 credit from Open Table that I decided to use. I figured this is a good uh-huh. place to use it. Um <laughs> I thought the food was excellent, but it was pricey, mm-hmm. and even with my my credit, um, I mean, basically from this review, he seemed to, he gave it no stars because he thought it was way too expensive. He said it would have given it one star if it was twenty percent less. Um, mm. I my take, I thought it was honestly a little harsh to give it no stars because I didn't have a bad experience at all. I thought the food was really, really good. Was the service good as well? The service was fine. I wouldn't say it was amazing. Um, My server was very nice. He seemed a little shy, um, not maybe, but he was helpful. Um, It's an expensive restaurant. I don't, I don't know. Um, I I mean, it's, it's interesting though. He really, he really, went for it with how many zero star reviews have there been i don't know is this two or three i'm I'm thinking back well i'm thinking back he did uh, guy fieri's restaurant no stars which is like the complete opposite that's not the last one but i'm not remembering i think there was one other but i can't remember what seems strange to me to have so many i agree you know just because something is expensive i don't know that that means zero i don't know i mean it will be interesting to see if the restaurant changes anything. I mean, all these other reviews have come out. They've noted that Masa hasn't been there. I think Gail Green called him out on that in her first review, and then he was there the second review. I didn't see him. Um, I mean, he has more than one restaurant, so. Yeah. I mean, it's so not a place I would, I would go back to regularly. I think it's, um, you know, it is Upper East Side, and it is expensive. Um, but anyways, it was it was a good read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> um, and the last thing I had here was in Grub Street, they also did a roundup. Well, it was a chart uh, that came out the other day uh, entitled Proof That Everyone Really Does Know Everyone in the New York City Dining Scene. I love these charts. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> and I think it's very true. You know, people who have worked under certain chefs or at certain restaurants, I think everyone really does know everyone, you know, in, in one or two connections makes the world a lot smaller to see a chart like that. It does. I, I mean, I, it's one of those things you can study for a long period of time because it put, I think the main people, it had David Chang, it had Daniel Ballou, it had Dan, Danny Meyer, and then off of them, the different chefs and people who've, who've worked for them and arrows pointing to who's married to who and who's <laughs> the sous chef where and who's opened right. a restaurant. And, right. um, but it is everyone's tied together, and I think that's very cool. Yeah, and I, and I feel like that must just be scratching the surface, as dense as that chart was. You know, you can go on and on forever, mm-hmm. connections like that, which is so fun. It is fun. <laughs> it, was, it is one of my favorite things. I, I love them. Keep doing them. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take one more break here, and we're going to come back and do my solo dining experience. This is all in the industry and Heritage Radio Network.
called Sunday Night Chicks by Mamarazzi. This is All in the Industry. Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience of the week. Now, over the break, I went to a lot of quality solo dining because I was here in town and that's what I like to do. But today I'm going to highlight Momofuku Co. Here's the rundown. The location, extra place off 1st Street in downtown Manhattan. The concept, a two-star Michelin restaurant with a multi-course tasting menu with seating around an open kitchen. Co. uses seasonal ingredients and changes its menu frequently. The chef and owner, award-winning chef David Chen. Why did I go? Because Co. recently moved to this new location, and I wanted to experience it, having been to the original location about five years ago. My experience? Christmas Eve, I was able to get a a reservation, a 6 p.m. reservation, for one at this 20-seat chef's counter restaurant. The service and meal was outstanding. I chatted with a nice family from Boston that was sitting next to me, and Chef Jay, who was working in front of us, was really great. I also chatted with David Chang a bit, too. What did I get? The tasting menu consisted of 14 courses plus a muse. Highlights for me were the red snapper, soft scramble, celery root with black truffle, lobster, foie gras, and coconut dessert. My take? It was a very memorable evening. Everything was terrific. And I appreciated that the chefs accommodated my alcohol allergy and altered a few of the dishes accordingly. The scene, mostly couples. Perfect for solo diners, dates, and food lovers. Interesting tidbit. Also dining at Co. that evening was fellow Heritage Radio host Mitchell Davis of the James Beard Foundation. Personal fun fact. I was fortunate to dine at Momofuku's Seobo restaurant in Sydney, Australia about two years ago. And the menu and setup reminded me of this new version of Co. The cost, $175, not including tax and tip. Would I go back? Yes, I'm a Momofuku fan. Say that fast, Momofuku fan. (laughs) Website is momofuku.com. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So, Carla, next week my guest is Nicole Contronio Jolly. She is an award-winning journalist, film producer, and digital content creator. She is the founder of How Does It Grow, telling the stories of our food from field to fork. So, Carla, can you ask a question for Nicole? So much is happening with digital and with video. I would be curious to know from her what she makes of Vine and of Snapchat, and if there's, if she thinks it's a viable, you know, video platform for communication and, and promotion. Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't. I have no experience with it. I, I certainly, maybe I'm too old. I don't see the value of Snapchat necessarily, but I would love to know what her th- thoughts are, given her video, you know, experience and background. I would love to too, because I they just were bought. There was some Snapchat has some a lot going on, and yeah. it's one of the social media media apps I don't use. Me too. So maybe are, she'll convince us. that maybe. it's yeah. the next thing we should be doing. 
Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We're very like, we'll see. We'll see what she says. She, yeah, she I, you know, I met a video us. producer recently who was saying he was hired by, you know, certain companies to produce longer length videos and then cut them down to six second vines. And I thought that was really fascinating since I have no awareness of it. So I would love to hear what her thoughts are. Okay. I will ask her. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. It has been great. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. You're welcome. I, I wish you all the best thank on you. your on your own. I know you're going to be fantastic. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So my guest today has been Carla Siegel. She's the former brand creative director for the restaurants of Chef Daniel Ballou. She's now on her own as a branding, marketing, and communications consultant with a focus on the hospitality industry. Her website is HungryCarly.com, and her Instagram is at Hungry Carly, and her Twitter is at Carla Siegel. My social media is at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry, and at Heritage underscore Radio. Uh, you can also check out my Facebook page, All in the Industry. If you miss our live broadcast, you can always find us archived on heritageradionetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my engineer, Jack, and to Carla and everyone out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 with another live show of All in the Industry. Hope you'll tune in again then. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Everybody gets-